0: I think we have quite fascinating readings, very interesting readings today. First of all, from the book of Jonah, about the prophet Jonah, and also the Gospel. You know, prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai, the Lord says to him, set out for the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. Okay. We have to take it into a historical context right away. Why did Jonah took off in the other direction rather than going to east he went west. Why did he take off well, not even a hundred years before, maybe seventy years before or so the it was the is the the Ninevites or the Assyrians who were actually uh, attack the northern kingdom of Israel, because as you know, the kingdom after King David it was divided under, after Solomon, after the Solomon, they were divided into northern kingdom and southern kingdom, so it was Israel the northern kingdom and Judah the southern kingdom, and so the northern kingdom was quite wealthy, that ten of the tribes of Jacob were there, they were very wealthy, and the Syrians came and very brutal, attacked, attacked the Northern Kingdom and just really wiped them out really, really badly. And so Jonah hearing, you go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyrians, and you convert them. You tell them that unless they, unless they change their lives, the city will be destroyed in 40 days. Jonah. As a good Jew, he says, I don't want to go there. God, let, let them die in their own sins. Let them be wiped out in 40 days. I don't care. I just want to, I don't want to listen to what you wish me to tell me. So this is why Jonah took off in the other direction. He hated Assyrians. And he would not listen to God. He says, what do you mean? You tell me to go there and tell them that, you know, to tell them that unless they convert, they'll be destroyed in 40 days? He had nothing to do with it, so he, took all, he takes off in another direction. And guess what happens? He takes, goes to Joppa, which actually you may hear today because of the, you know, the Palestinians, uh, the, uh, the Hamas, attacking the, the areas there. So he takes a boat and, and goes, goes west. I'm not exactly too sure what the destination, but most likely Greece or maybe Rome. We do not know what exactly the destination was. He wants to go west. And it's a cargo ship, contains goods. And so he goes there, and there's a big storm, as you can hear, and a big storm that takes place. And everyone on that boat, because they're afraid, first of all, they throw all the wealth into the, into the sea, all the cargo they had, they throw in the sea. That means a huge loss already, and now they're about to lose their life. And so they're asking, the captain is asking everyone to pray and guess what Jonah does? He doesn't pray. <laughs> he goes to the bottom of, bottom of the ship, and he sleeps. He's sleeping. And of course, that unnerves the captain. He says, what are you doing there? And then he realizes, and he tells them what's going on. Is he, They're asking, well, did you do something really bad? That there's this, this huge storm, and we're about to lose our lives. And Jonah admits the truth that he's kind of running away from God. And at first, they, he, he says, look, you wanna have this storm? Calm down, throw me overboard. But they're kind enough, they're kind enough. And they said, no, no, he says, we don't want to, to kill an innocent, innocent person. And, and, and then the second, so they decided to have a lot, asking God, choose which one is the one guilty party. And of course, the lot zeroes in on Jonah. And, and so, so they said to God, he says, God, you know, you forgive us, but we have to throw him out because he's the cause of this terrible ordeal. So they do. But then God, in his mercy, still rescues Jonah. The fish swallows him, big fish. There he prays within the belly, of three days, at night, some symbolism of later on, Jesus being in the belly of the earth. And then he prays, ask God for mercy. And God grants him the, this, this big fish, spews him out, and he's rescued. But the interesting thing is when he was asked, who are you? You know, when the captain asked him, who are you? He says, I'm Hebrew. And not only am I Hebrew, but he speaks of, he's, he believes in, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I believe in God who created both earth and heaven, all the things, including storms, everything that was done. But we have to wait till tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow to hear the rest of the story. But the fact you already know it, because you know, as good Catholics, you know, you were introduced, we know what happens. The reluctant prophet goes to Nineveh and preaches, and he's hoping that they will not convert. He is fulfilling the obligation of the call, but he knows that he doesn't want them to convert, but we know what happens. Today, the gospel is a very interesting gospel as well, something special for us. It is a scholar of the law, so someone who knows scriptures. He knows the, he knows the Old Testament very well, and the, you know, especially with the Pharisees, emphasizing 613 of very important laws, which is to guide every person of the covenant. Uh, This scholar knows everything, but he says, now, which one are the most important? So he wants to ask Jesus to test him, to find out what is his opinion on on which one are the most important out of the 613. And and Jesus asks him, he says, because he asks him not only which are the most important, but because which ones will guarantee eternal life? Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And, and the, uh, the scholar speaks in such a powerful way, so he must have been thinking quite a bit about it. He says, well, the most important one is the, you know, is, is, the, is the Jewish um, the covenant prayer you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He adds, "Is the scholar adds, and with your neighbor as yourself. So he not only chose the most important one, but he added a type of summary for the second one out of the many, many of the uh, uh, precepts. And so he says, And he says, and and your neighbor is yourself. And Jesus replied to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you have eternal life. To love the Lord your God, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The problem is this. He says, well, I know that I'm supposed to love the Lord, and so on, with all my heart, with all my strength, with my will. But then, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And that's the problem. Who's my neighbor? How do I treat my neighbor? What is, what is this, this whole uh, teaching on who's the neighbor? But before we go in there, I'd like to say, why should we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our strength? Why? Because so we, we do things based on emotions. So if we feel good, we don't feel good, we're depressed or this, whatever it may be is that we have very um, short memory. So, so today I'm very happy with the Lord, and I'm very happy, I love him, but tomorrow things, problems come up, all these things, and people have been, you know, seeing the evil done to them, often they just lose their perspective, and then they seem to forget who the Lord is. But if we're to look at God of Revelation, first of all, why should we love the Lord? Because out of love, he created us, gave us life. Out of love, he created all the universe, everything that we see around us, the food, the beautiful things. Out of love, he created not only us in a physical sense, but also created us in his image, with mind, our mind abilities, freedom to think, to see, to judge. He gave us these gifts. Not only that, but he gave us also capacity to receive God, capacity to receive him capacity to, to become God-like. And this is where the original sin is, that the evil one says, no, you can attain eternal life on your own. Say no to God, and you, you attain your life on your own. And this is what we have today. You know, every, every century people go, some centuries seem to be more focused on God, but others seem to just run away as far as they can, and they feel, they feel like we can, we can do it on ourselves, on our own. We can become, you know, whatever we wish to be. And yet we forget that we're creatures. We don't have the capacity to become who we wish because we're not God, only God can. And so, so the original sin was actually trying to, you know, say to God, no, because the evil one told us, say no and you'll be like God. But we found out bitterly that we were not. And this is when the tragedy, the blindness, the things that we do have, ever since then have occurred. But that there's more to that. Why should we love God? Because his son, we blocked our entry into, into the, the, the glory of God. We blocked our entry into divine life. We have forfeited it. And so God sends his son out of love for us again. This is why we are to love him, because what he did, he sent his son who took upon himself all our sinfulness, brokenness, the violence, the ugliness that we are, and he transformed into beauty, harmony. He's giving us the gift of a a life of glory, and that's his son. We see that type of love that he gave us through his son. We could say that he also showed that love by his revealing himself to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has revealed himself through prophets who were his friends. He reveals them as, as if we are, as to be friends. But Jesus told us that we go more. Jesus calls us sons and daughters, not just friends. Sons and daughters, and not only because of the relationship with Jesus, but also to be sons of God and daughters of God. That's, what, that's why the invitation is there. Why should we love the Lord? Because he gave us the Holy Spirit teaching us guiding us informing us making us happy to be in the presence of god making us love the lord with greater desire longing why should we love the lord because he gives us himself even the eucharist here today he's teaching us guiding us he has never abandoned us he's the good shepherd keeping an eye on us so why should we love him because he has loved us first and he loves us continuously and he loves us with the love as it's in the Old Testament, love would be known as said, true love, faithful love, no matter what we have done, he's not, even if we have thrown him away, he will continue to love us and he will keep on spurring, spurring us on, inviting us to a relationship. That is that type of love that he has, the love of a mother, like Old Testament Rahamin would say, love of a mother, the child of her womb, no matter what, the mother always will take care for the child of Roman, and even says even if she would forget I'll never forget you we know this, this is the type of love and this is when, when we're invited to this type of love we, we, ha- we have a reason to love we have a reason to love him back because he has loved us first and his love will always be there until he sees us in, in heaven but the, the problem of the second aspect as I, as I said is, is how to live with the fulfilling of the second commandment, the more we love the Lord, the more we love one another. And we know that there's no need for all the commandments, regarding the ten commandments, regarding seven commandments, regarding us. There's really no need, or, or I should say, six, the fourth, fifth, and 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 all the way to the ninth and tenth, because. We will not steal from someone whom we love. Him. We won't kill him. We won't harm him. We won't lie to him, or we won't covet his wife or his husband. We won't do any of those or his any things. Because when you love somebody, you don't do that. That's why that summary, the love of neighbor, becomes such powerful. Because what happened is that once we establish a deeper communion of love for, for God, then we have to embrace someone, you know, under a grace even when somebody is criticizing us we watch maybe they have good reason to criticize us rather than defend ourselves and pile back immediately on that person because you know when you love you look through the prism of love it says maybe there is something that i have done or have not done or uh, that i should have done and so we look at ourselves with a more critical eye because we look, we seek the truth of, of god not the, the truth of our own needs the truth of of greater good. And so that's why the love of neighbor is so important. And Jesus gave us a powerful example here. Someone who is deeply wounded, half dead. So the priest walks around, why? Because he has duty to perform the temple. And if he touches someone who's dead, he's unclean. He could not function, so he could excuse himself. He could justify, you know, I, I, I know somebody's in really bad shape, but I have, I have, you know, 100 people or 200 or 300 people in a temple, and, and I've got to do my duty. How is it going to happen if I don't show up there? And if I show up and they say I'm unclean, I can't find somebody, he could rash, rationalize it quickly. Levite as well, because it's a priestly caste. He has to do some other things which are part of, of his duty. And so once again, he was afraid. But it's the hated Samaritan, just like the Palestinians, but this may be perhaps today, because that's what Samaritans were in some fashion. They were not exactly accepted. And, and so these Palestinians, or, or I should say Samaritans, he's the one out of compassion. He's going to business deal. He's not going someplace. He has a purpose. He doesn't mind being late. He set aside his own needs in favor of the one who he, he, he should care less. He could just say, well, let, let the Jewish people, let the Israelis, let the, the other ones take care of him. They, they take care of their own. And yet he chose chooses to do something so extraordinary. And Jesus, the one who says, who did the right thing? Who's the neighbor? You know? I know that you know these things because we, we talk about it, but it's the, always the invitation to a deeper, deeper understanding so that we may be guided each day by the gospel, by the gospel precepts, and it's for all of us. You know, I'll ask myself, as a priest, I'm running to a parish and I see an accident. What do I do? Do I stop? Then I show up in the parish and people will say, well, where were you? You know, and you know, and it, it, it happens, these things happen all the time. We have to make or at least, or you could do a quick one, yes. At least try to see if the person needs to be uh, anointed or even briefly, or even prayed over, or, or so they prepared for that if it's serious. Many times I would stop, sometimes I would. not Depends upon us, take a look, you know, if something is real serious or not. But the fact is this, but we're called to do it always, to take care of one another. You know, a powerful call. Because the love of God, we may not always love him, but um, also love of neighbor sometimes is more frequent and less frequent. It won't really give, give our attention to the needs sometimes, maybe even dire needs. Let us ask the Lord today to make our hearts truly love him that we may appreciate the love that he has offered to us and that we may with his help with his aid respond to the needs of those who we should take care that we should somehow set aside our own various needs or concerns and take care of them and may the Eucharist the very love of God present in Jesus, the powerful love of the Father. May may it transform us as we welcome him. May he, may his grace, may his power, may his love enter his very presence, enter every cell of our body, of our mind, of our memories, heal the wounds, restore hope, and increase our love.